because it is what you say to yourself about yourself that determines everything, whether you're going to hustle, flow, and that is your greatest opportunity to curate your own life. Do you ever wonder? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to live an extraordinary life? Or is that only for people with exceptional beauty, brains, or talent? I know you are extraordinary. But when I look at me in the mirror, well... Ordinary. 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 Ordinary is all I see. Certainly, life has to be more extraordinary than what I've experienced so far. We all feel like this sometimes, but we don't have to. If you believe that your life and everyone's life can be more connected, more inspired, more fulfilling, then you're in the right place. Welcome to this Extraordinary Life podcast. I'm Kevin Monroe, and together we're going to discover life is extraordinary. Do little things really make that big of a difference? For me, being extraordinary is more of a choice. There is something truly remarkable about that. Are you looking for a place where people are more interested in who you are? Who you are? Who you are? Put in the extra in the ordinary. That's what extraordinary is all about. I want to live an extraordinary life. How about you? It's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to episode 11 of this Extraordinary Life podcast. If you are like most people I know, you're looking for some sanity, some solace, and some serenity from the craziness that is surrounding us in today's world. I hope you find that here. Today, we have a lively, engaging conversation with my new friend, Theo Prodromitis. Theo and I met in a very serendipitous way. We share that in our conversation as part of the story, so I'm not going to tell it to you now. I want to invite you to listen, and I believe there's something for you in this story, and I want to encourage you to listen to the very end, because in the final segment, the community magic, we've got some special magic today. Here we go. What a joy and delight it is to welcome Theo Prodromitis to this Extraordinary Life podcast. Welcome, Theo. Thank you, Kevin. I am so delighted and excited to be here, and I cannot wait to see what transpires when you and I get together. Nor can I, nor can I. I'm just going to tell you, folks that know me know I aspire to be transparent. Theo and I have just gotten to know one another. She's one of my new friends. And Theo sent me her book and I read her book. And as I was reading, I just started, I was like, "Mm, Theo, I think we want to have you on the podcast. And then the more I read it, I was like, Theo, we were having this get acquainted call. I said, do you have extra time? We'll just go from one to the other. And that's what we're doing. So Theo, tell us, well, first off, how did you and I meet? Because I love the stories of synchronicity. So there's a synchronicity story, but I'm going to pause there. Before we do that, what's something you're grateful for in this moment that you and I are connecting now? Let's ground this in the good soil of gratitude. 
I am so glad you asked. I am immensely grateful for the support and love of my family that gives me the opportunity to be here and connect and all behind the scenes that it takes to be in a loving, secure, safe environment that makes me want to do it and to share with others. In that conversation we were having earlier, we were talking about believing, belonging, becoming. And for you, you are especially blessed that a lot of that happens for you in your family of birth. And so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you are proud of your Greek roots and you have this big Greek family that loves one another. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your family. We do. We do. And of course, being Greek. And so I'm Greek on both sides. My grandparents are all from Greece. One side's from Sparta and one side is from Asia Minor, which is was Constantinople and now is Istanbul. So having these rich, rich grandparents that sacrificed a lot and put everything into getting us to the United States and investing in education. And when we were growing up, they had 12 houses that were all, you know, in a neighborhood that one by one, they came over. And so the strength, it's like a tensile strength. And I, I joke and say, you and what, you know, people say you and what army. I'm like, yeah, I've got one, <laughs> got one, an army of Greeks. You know, you can just picture the little Greek yaya dressed in black that's, you know, got a wooden spoon. So anybody that messed with me, I I had that feeling of belonging and love. And I learned how to, to speak up and to fight and how to love and forgive. And all of those things are so rich and they're gritty. They're not always perfect, but you love your way through it. So that's what I attribute to my Greek family and and trying to bring that to the world. Oh, that's beautiful. And then we were talking about synchronicity. There was synchronicity in how you and I met and connected. Share your side of that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. As you read in my book, I'm a, a firm believer in the signs that we get and the synchronicity and the path that unfolds step by step that you can't see the next step. You can't see. It's the magic. I wake up every day with this kind of synchronicity and connection that happens when you let it. So I was just on LinkedIn and I was looking and part of my feed came up, somebody that I admire, Lauren, and she was on a podcast and it happened to be your podcast. (laughs) So that encouraged me to take a listen. And as I did, I felt like I knew you and I felt like, oh, the language and the intention that I could hear in your voice. You were talking about intention with Lauren. And I knew that we were kindred spirits. And so I liked the post and it evolved and we reached out via messenger and just knew that we wanted to just get to know each other with no outcome based. It was just that we were in the same intention space. And that is the mystery of life that I, I love and I cherish and I feel so grateful for. Oh, thank you, Theo. And we want everyone to experience that. This joy of synchronicity, you know, as you said, you wake up, you are open to it and you anticipate its arrival. 
you know, there was that point, I think it was in that conversation with Lauren, when we were talking, we had this moment when I said something, synchronicity is around us way more than we realize. There are more opportunities for synchronicity than most of us see. But you start your day open to it, anticipating it, not expecting, not trying to make it happen, but being aware. So what does that, what does that look like for you? And how do you think your openness to synchronicity invites or prepares you to respond to opportunities and invitations other people miss? Well, I love that question because I just had an opportunity like that happen when I was here and and actually the uh, gentlemen that do the lawn were outside and I was open to it. So how do I do it? I'm open to honoring whatever God puts in front of me, whatever I feel like I need to honor. And I've really developed that skill to know when to just go with it. And so he inquired about my book. So I asked him a little bit and I, he's, so I spent a little bit of time and, and before you knew it, I autographed a book for him and he was so excited and we we were going to connect because you have the synchronicity because my intention is to show up. That's one example. And then you have the example of meeting you, Kevin, where you have this platform and you're actually actively working. So to me, I was raised in a beautiful environment where the gentleman who has the lawn business and the gentleman who has a national platform, international platform, to me, are the same gifts. Oh, we share that. Yeah. And that's so beautiful to see the divinity in all humanity, not based on title, not based on zip code or address, but the dignity of being human. So Theo, in this journey, then you said, hey, I've got a new book. May I send you a copy? To which I said, of course. And you sent me this book. And as I said, when I started reading it, you listening, you know this, I have a test. I will not invite someone to the podcast whose book I have not first read and whose book I am not comfortable, not fully comfortable in suggesting, hey, maybe you should read the book too. So Theo sent me the book. It passed both tests. Tell us about the book. I'll even let you introduce the title. What's the name of this book? (laughs) Thank you. The title is The Balance Between Hustle and Flow, Knowing When to Make Things Happen and when to let them happen. I love it. the book is a passion project that came out of an executive coaching client and I were sitting, and really, as we went through everything, we really came to the, the terms that she was really asking me what recurs over and over. She was asking me whether she should push, 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 and hustle to make this change in her life happen, or should she just sit back and then go with her credentials? And I said, you know, that's where everyone lives. It's not one extreme or the other. You don't live in the place where you hustle, hustle, hustle all the time or where you're just zen and you're really watching the serendipity and the flow. It's the balance between those two that we have to get great at recognizing. I love this. I love this because it it spoke to me. And I, I know I shared with you in one of our exchanges 
I think this coming January, will it be five years? Yeah, five years ago that I heard these four words on a Sunday morning and they became one of my mottos, more led, less driven, which is another way for me to say this balance between hustle and flow. Because I remember years ago, well, he was actually a pastor. And when he said it, I thought it was a compliment. A few months later, I began to wonder, I'm not sure if he meant that as a compliment or not, but I heard it as a compliment. He said, Kevin, you are one of the most driven men I know. And I think the way I heard that, he was saying, you're one of the most intentional. Now, maybe he wasn't saying that, Theo. Maybe (laughs) you are way too driven. Lighten up. Find some more flow in life. And so for me, that more led, less driven is that balance. Because it's not like, yeah, I'll just sit. And when an idea comes, even an inspired idea, Inspired ideas still take work. They take hustle. There's just something different about the hustle when it's balanced with flow. So how does hustle change for you when it's paired with flow? That's a fantastic question. How hustle changes for me when it's it's paired with flow is that it is in the, the subtitle of the book, Knowing when to make things happen and knowing when to let them happen. It so is wait a minute. your hustle, inner direction. Hustle yes. is what you interpret as making things happen just so people are following us, right? Yes, yes. And knowing when to, yeah, knowing when to hustle and knowing when to flow. And so when you pair those two together, you have a toolkit at that you are unstoppable really because you can pull them out either one and you can marry them together and that's the magic every single day when i wake up and i am intentional and i open the door and it's the lawn man or if i'm connecting with you i know that i have the opportunity and i know that i can do one both or i can combine them and it is so beautiful to tinker with that because the bottom line is, is that's your life. It's what you have to actually serve what your purpose is. That's your toolkit. Oh yeah. And so it's not either or, and this is the challenge many of us have experienced is we have looked at these as either or, and many of us like me have spent a lot of that time in that drivenness that making things happen. And if the first thought of the day you have is, you know, what can I make happen today? Then you're a hustler, right? Yes. (laughs) You're in hustle. Yes. But the both and, this is what, this is the beauty that I see in your message and your book, Theo, and why I wanted to have a conversation with you to unpack this is both and. It's not either or. It's not reject one. It's bring the best of the two together. Yeah. How does flow show up for you? And, or maybe even let's go a little deeper with that. For people who may just beginning to experience and look for flow, how can your journey help them see flow 
when it shows up or when it knocks at the door? Yes, that's a great question in the regard that that's what a lot of people struggle with because they see flow as a lack of intention or just letting it happen. How can you let life happen? And especially in a Western culture like the United States, I mean, we have this outcome-based projection. So if somebody is just getting into how can you recognize the flow, it is taking a deep breath and knowing that the two complementing each other, that they're in the toolkit to work together. So when you decide to take a step back and let a relationship evolve, let somebody not call you back, let the flow of the next opportunity come to you, that you have to be very comfortable in the knowing. And I think it's a practice of actually being quiet and getting in the flow. It is very uncomfortable for people to be quiet and to just take their time. I spend it in prayer and openness. People can meditate. They can do it in any way that it shows up in their life. But it is a time for all of that to come through you instead of you forcing it. Okay. So how might someone begin to recognize? And for me, it does show up. It does show up. Now, I've had this conversation with friends. I don't think I've ever had this on the podcast, Theo. I'm pausing a moment to think about that. I I don't think I have. You know, I have this belief. It may be a weird belief, and it wouldn't be the first weird belief I've embraced in life. But I believe that inspired ideas are invitations to us. And the way we get more inspired ideas is by taking action on the earlier inspired ideas. I see you nodding your head. You agree, right? Flow is our response to inspiration or that's one way, not the only way, but that's one way. So an inspired idea arrives, pops into your head, heart, mind. I have these conversations. I don't know where it lands. All of a sudden, I know that I'm thinking something that I've never thought before and wasn't intentionally thinking about it to arrive at that thought, right? An idea. That's That, to me, is how inspiration shows up. Absolutely. And that's flow. And flow is also when you have the knowing that you are, you're present. And the flow is being able to be present and allow that inspiration to come through. And then you have to balance it and honor it. You write it down and you may honor it today, maybe in two weeks, but you honor it by recognizing that it is something that came from inspiration out from my a book that I co-authored with Jack Canfield, The Success Formula, my chapter is on from nowhere to now here. Things come from ideation, they come out and come through you. So that's the flow part. And you can also recognize flow if you're newer at it and you're trying to say, well, what are they talking about the flow? It's when you lose track of time, when you know something, you feel calm about something, or you just know that that next step is appearing. So that's the flow. The flow is when things start to work and they're when they are, there's movement and you're not, you may have paddled earlier in the, on the river, but now you're getting 
the momentum or now you're getting the nod from God or the universe. Now you're flowing and you say, oh, here's a thought. I never had that. Thank you. Thank you for that thought. And then you write it down, honor it. And then you put it somewhere where you can decide and know when to hustle and say, you know what? Let me reach out. Let me do a tweet. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> right? Yeah. And see. Let me throw my hustle into the universe from the gift that I received during the flow. Oh, a beautiful conversation. So you've used this word at least twice, maybe three times presence and being present. Yes. What does that look like for you? Because when I do leadership work, one of the principles I talk about is practicing being present. I go through seven principles in one of these sessions and I ask people, which of these seven is most relevant for you? Usually it's a toss up between listening or being present. Those are the two most difficult leadership skills we have in today's world. Because you talk about this some, right now we have more invitations and opportunities through devices to prevent a presentness from occurring. So speak into presence a little bit, Theo. Absolutely. And the presence in the short answer is the ability to suspend the chatter in your mind, the ability for you and I, when you and I are talking, Kevin, I can see your face. We're on a podcast, but I can, we're on Zoom. So that's a, a great thing. I'm present and I'm not thinking about anything else except for our conversation. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next to be clever. I'm present. That's what presence means to me. And presence is a gift that people now are the other side of what I do, I have a marketing agency. And so there's information being curated and there's people actually, there's tons of very sophisticated people that are fighting for your attention to make you not present, to get you to go down their wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> so they're doing it on devices. They're doing it on signs. They're doing it on messaging everywhere. So the digital age has brought us these great gifts of connection and information. And on the other side, the cost has been for being able to be present. Okay, so I want to go a little deeper on this, just a moment. And one of these, so you listening, as you're processing this, if you're wanting to carve out a deeper, richer ability for presence, I'm going to ask Theo to unpack something I read in your book. But one of these things, we're just talking about devices. Right before we hit this, I reached over and I put my phone into airplane mode. That's one way. It's a simple thing to do. But you know what? My phone's not going to ring for the time we're here. I'm not going to be distracted because like Theo, I believe that the conversation you and I are having in this moment is the most important thing I've been invited into in this moment. And I want to be fully present. So I turn off alarms. You may not know this. And I don't, I'm not trying to be funny, but you can turn off alarms. Your phone, your computer, they want to alarm you because what Theo was just saying, there's this massive campaign, billions of dollars are spent to capture your attention, but you have a choice where you want to give your attention, to pay attention. So one of those is turn those off, turn those off, put it away. And Theo, you made a point. I don't know if I'd ever heard this, the, 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 what happens in the morning? 
and how our brains are firing a bit differently. Unpack that a moment. Yes. Yes. In the book, I share the actual wavelengths that that your brain is on first thing in the morning. So you're more open to inspiration or open. It's in that mid-range where you're not fully awake and you're not fully asleep. And it is divine. And taking that time to be present, and it doesn't, you don't have to invest a lot of time, but it is your, our bodies are miraculous and they are designed for us to have that, that time to actually set our intentions. They, they're designed for us to be in that mid range in the flow. And it's a two way communication before we go into hustle and try to throw the throttle. Okay. So I, and I am aware of how we're walking a fine line right now. Okay. Because you're listening to us on a device of some sort, or you would not be listening to this conversation. We are fans of technology. We love technology. I want you to keep using technology because I want you to keep listening to the podcast. However, I want you to be prudent in your use of technology. There are a lot of studies. We're not going to go into those studies now, but what Theo just shared is something that's so important. And I want to invite you, if you want more flow in your life, and if you want to be more present, and I know some of you are going to go, you're not really going to say that, are you? Yes, I am. Leave your phone in another room or don't consult your phone first thing in the morning. Do you know how many people, I read this some years ago, it is amazing how many people wake up in the middle of the night to check email or social media. Don't do it. That distracts and interrupts flow. Part of this flow is being present to it. So I'll give you the final word on that one, Theo. (laughs) I 100% love the way that you framed it to say that we do love technology and we love the connectivity, but it's putting you in charge of and what I have done a webinar on is curating your life. So you think of yourself as the curator of this beautiful, whether it's a museum or a library, or you're, you're curating your life and you're the one who gets to choose. But part of choosing what is going in the library is not reacting to what people get paid a lot of money to try to capture your attention. It's to actually make conscious decisions. But the only way that you can do that is if you get into flow and you know what your preferences are and you honor your purpose and you hear all of those internal inspired ideas and voices. And the only way to do that is to disconnect. And that's one very simple practice is to put the phone in the other room. And I do not have a, I haven't for decades had a television in my room. There are certain practices that are very simple and subtle realistically, people love their smartphones and they're afraid to not have them. I think we live in a fear-based society where you're afraid you're going to miss the middle of the night phone call. You're afraid you're going to do this. And flow is about not living in constant state of cortisol, (laughs) fear. Everything is going, you know, oh, dopamine, cortisol, oh, all the endorphins. Let's, how can we chemically... Yeah infuse all of that. Right, Kevin? Right, right. Theo, I'm loving this conversation. We're going to take a short break because we've got something important that we want to invite you 
to consider and join us in, and then we'll be right back. We're back with Theo, and we're talking about the balance between hustle and flow, and we've been talking about flow, a lot about flow, and this is not to disrespect hustle because we respect hustle, but let me just ask this. Are there things, I, I don't, there are times as a podcast host, I realize if I were an attorney, the other attorney would say, you're leading the witness. I don't want to lead the guest. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question differently. Are there times, are there things that can happen in flow that might never happen with hustle alone or happen on yes. a much longer scale? Yeah. Say, let's talk about that. I believe there are because it's that inspiration yeah. part. You talk about it, Theo. The things that happen in flow, it is part of the vibration and part of in the book, I talk about everything is energy and flow is energy and it exists and that's what everything is comprised of. So things can exist in flow and in that state in a very sustainable way without hustle. You can have monks that go in flow and they're on a holy mountain and they stay in that level of vibration without ever hustling, without ever doing anything. They're on a different plane and it's beautiful. And the great thing is you get to curate your life, Kevin, and decide how much of each one that, and for your listeners, that's the gift we want to give to you is to, to challenge you to say, how much am I in flow? How much time am I spending there? And how much am I in hustle? And really, really honoring both of those. And I love that honoring both of those, because I will tell you, I think I've been tempted to not honor hustle because I've worked so much in hustle that it's kind of like, oh yeah, hustle's bad. No, no. If I don't apply hustle to an inspired idea, not much happens, right? Exactly. And I think it is a cultural reference also to the fact that as we grow up and we talked a little bit about sales, people think of hustle and they think of sales or somebody who's trying to imply that they're going to get one over on you. And that's not it at all. It's a modulation of energy. Hustle is to be able to control and modulate the energy to make something happen. And we get a cultural reference that hustle is negative. But in the grand scheme of life and you being able to live the extraordinary life, right, Kevin? The extraordinary right. life that That's you're helping people life. to design. How can you go, go all in for that is to overcome those stereotypes or those cultural references that hustle is bad. I am proud that I have been in sales, that I was a national sales trainer, and that I was able to make things happen because the part does not, it does not mean that I sold something to people that they didn't need or that they didn't want. It's the fact that I brought the energy to find the people that need and wanted my products. Okay. I want to ask a couple of Go deeper on a couple of thoughts here. The first one, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I love the concept, Theo, of curating your own life. Yes. Let's unpack that a bit because, you know, I mean, I remember a time 
seriously, I grew up in a rural area of the South. A lot of words, like yesterday, we were in a conversation about artifacts. I thought only archaeologists had artifacts, and I thought only museums had curators. But you're suggesting everyone should be a curator. Yes, yes. And what I mean by curating your own life is just think about that beautiful analogy of curating your life. It's not a stagnant museum where you go in and it's got only relics. It's curating the life and the fact that you get to evaluate all of these priceless parts of your own life and think about it as you get to decide, evaluate, look at them, all this information. You get to decide what is going to be, my life is precious. I get to decide whether I am going to invest an hour of my very precious time to watch a show that came from somebody else's imagination, and they're going to take me on their journey. I'm curating that to say that's part of my life. I'm going to curate my life to say I'm going to go to this new French coffee shop because I want to, I'm not traveling to Europe, but I'm going to curate my life to have that feeling of being in Europe, and I'm going to hear somebody with a French accent. And I get to curate my life of what to leave out as well. Any section that is no longer working for me, if you're thinking of the analogy of curating a museum or or your life has all the different sections, if you had a section that you selected before, but it no longer serves you and you no longer feel peaceful or in flow, is close the doors and sunset that. And don't be attached to the fact it may never be reopened. That's okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for helping us consider that. And and I just want to remind you listening, you are the curator of your life and you have those choices. And so look at your life and look at what you are inviting in, what you are allowing, and look at those things, as you just said, that aren't serving you anymore and move them out. Make space for the new exhibit. Make space for what you want. Okay, energy. You talk a lot about energy, and I want to ask this question. How is it that you, and you also wrote a little bit about resonance, which I love. How is it that you sense someone else's energy? What is it that you sense, and how do you feel that this is a relationship I want to explore more? Let's talk about energy at that level. Every person that interacts with each other, every all two people together, a hundred people, whatever, exchange energy. And you can see where people, and it's not just energy of the fact that I happen to be born in New York, so I talk fast. It's the energy of where they resonate in the world and whether that matches up to your vibration. And it translates for me into a feeling, and I've fine-tuned it and you know, I curate my own lives to very quickly to recognize whether that is good and serves me, because I don't have a long list of have-tos. I have designed my life so that I can let go. I don't have to make this person like me. I can't make somebody like me. But what I'm saying is I don't have a long list of have-tos. So the energy that I feel when I meet somebody, and I know everybody has it because everyone on all of your list, listeners have had that encounter when they met somebody and they thought and the hairs on the back of their neck stood up. 
And they said, I don't like this person. <laughs> and you have no evidence, right? That's energy. Yeah. Somehow you knew that their energy did not resonate with you. And likewise, there's a harmonious experience of energy as well. More frequently and more commonly. And the greatest place to get to, because I've seen my energy evolve over the course of time to where when I can recognize other people at all different levels, most experiences, I can almost modulate my own energy to be in harmony with the other people. When people say, Theo, you get along with so many people. Well, yeah, because I see them for who they are, not who I want them to be. They don't need to serve me. I'm there to have whatever interaction I have with them, and I'm not attached to the outcome of whether they leave thinking I'm a great person. Do they like me? Do they dislike me? Are they going to buy something from me? It's a beautiful place to get to when you can, again, be present and exchange the energy without so much focus on the hustle or the outcome. What am I going to get out of this? Okay. So there's so many things. Let's see that, that last statement, I was about to go somewhere else, but that last statement prompts me with this one from page seven, early part of the book, successful people do have something important in common contribution. Remarkable people always, always give more than they receive. It is the cornerstone of fulfillment. Contribution is married to fulfillment, a fulfilled life. We're not talking about success, monetary success. It's the contribution. And in Greek, the concept, philotimo, it's a Greek imperative to serve others with honor, to live and serve for the greater good. And that is what motivated me to write that particular passage. Okay, so where I was going before that, because that's just such an important concept, and you listening, you know that we are all about serving the greater good. We're all about finding your path. Well, and we also have this belief, I believe you just said it, but somehow I think we need to call it out. Every one of you listening, and I underscore every one, has a contribution to make and a contribution the world needs from you. I know some of you go, well, yeah, I, I, I know everybody else I know has one, but not me. I don't have a contribution. But Theo, help me underscore this for that person that, that's saying, yeah, but not me. The uniqueness of each person, their energy signature, what they have shown up to do. If you wake up, regardless of what the circumstances are, then you have a purpose and you have a contribution, each and every one of you. If you're listening to this, you have an opportunity to be in a like-minded community and to contribute because each story is so unique. And that's the magic that I love about life and the balance between hustle and flow is that you don't know the ripples of goodness that are going to come from you telling your story you gifting other people your pain, you gifting other people your success, gifting other people your fear, your co connecting with other people. You give people permission to shine. You give people permission to question. 
And that is what love does, love for all humanity. So your contribution, each and every one of you, and it isn't, I write in the book about the difference. People say, oh, follow your passion, follow your passion. I, I assert that excellence is something that you can aspire to more so than trying for the holy grail of what's my passion? Oh, you know, this person does this and they change the world because they found their passion. Well, you know, I'm working at the 7-Eleven and I don't know what my passion is, or I can't do it because I just have to pay the bills. You can be excellent at anything. And that's your contribution to show up and to show up and to strive for excellence. And honoring that part of it, it doesn't have to be. And it also is the comparison. Don't compare yourself to other people. Comparison is the thief of joy, which is a, a quote from, I believe it is from FDR. And it really summarizes it that we have the comparison that limits us to say, I don't have a purpose compared to somebody who started a charity that saved sick children. Yes, you have. Your contribution is just as important. It's part, it's woven. It's part of overall fabric. Yeah. And, and it's funny you mention that because I was opened to that part of the book to ask you about two one-liners that are the pieces of bread where that comparison sandwich is placed in your book. On the front side of it, what's your daily micro strategy for being kind to yourself? Comparison is the thief of joy on the other side of this. What you say to yourself about yourself is everything. Where do you want to go with those? If there was nothing else that anybody read in the entire book, those statements would be the most powerful and the opportunity to sit with those questions, because it is what you say to yourself about yourself that determines everything, whether you're going to hustle, flow, and that is your greatest opportunity to curate your own life. And there are practices of surrounding yourself in communities so that you have more of that and that you can you can first be aware because everybody's worried, oh, how do I change it? Oh, I can't meditate. I can't get rid of these things. Meditating or praying is not that. It's just being open. It's just being present and allowing for it to come in rather than knowing the right thing to say. So what's a and, micro strategy? Talk about micro yeah. strategy. I love that word. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's one of my favorite topics, and it's it's a term that I use. A micro strategy is a very quick and simple habit and something that you can do over and over again. So you have to have your triggers as a human in order to curate your own life and to have a micro strategy for kindness is to have a default. And it's a muscle that you exercise so that I can remind myself a micro strategy for kindness to myself would be to look at a, say for instance, I have a, a card here from somebody who sent me flowers because I helped them with something. And it would be to remind myself who I am in the world. And a micro strategy is something quick, simple, that you can pull out when everything else fails, or you can just do it 100 times a day. It's not a big strategy. It's not something you have to do and call a friend. It's an immediate way to reset. So let's talk about a couple of these, because this one, my friend, Hildy Gottlieb, eight or 10 years ago, gave me this little 
rock, a hand-painted rock that has a star and a smiley face on one side. And on the back side, it says rock star. Yeah. And has her initials, right? Another one, a card from one of our community members, a hand-drawn and handwritten note from Arlene Mendoza about something that happened in our community. Stays right there. This, a little Chick-fil-A kid's toy that has this cow and be our hero, eat more chicken. And on the back, it says, give your hero cow to someone who always saves the day. And our granddaughter, Emma, gave this to me over two years ago, Theo. And what? It's right here where I can touch it. Pull it up. These things, they matter. They're these little things that are because if you heard the conversation, we'll tag it in the notes, show notes, with on kindness with Emma Lloyd and Joanna Servana, two of the kindest people I know. You know, we got into a part of that conversation that we all admitted the easiest person on the planet to be unkind to is who, Theo? I'll just ask you. Guess who is the easiest? Yeah, yeah, yourself. Yes, it is yourself. And there's, I've seen somebody that has written and they wrote something, all these nasty things that saying, you're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you're a loser. And then they say, P.S. And then that it's somebody looking in the mirror and it's horrible. But that is the easiest person to be unkind to is yourself because no one's checking you on it because they can't hear it. They see what your actions are, but you need micro strategies to be kind to yourself, to reflect and to remind you that that is not the truth, that you can always reset and you've got something that is like a muscle that you can pull up and that it gives you the freedom because you know that you have a go-to and something that you can actually do. Okay, one more from your book that kind of builds on this, perhaps. What motivated me to write this book is my belief that it is the decisions that we make on a daily basis that reveal who we really are. We can behave with grace no matter what's going on. Yes, we can behave with grace no matter what's going on. From the extreme example of Viktor Frankl, in man's search for meaning when he was in a concentration camp to someone who is a very busy mom that has like the wheels blowing off the bus of doing a million things and feeling lost, overwhelmed, that the decisions that you make every single day really reveal that. And it is something that we work to share and inspire other people to treat yourself with the kindness and to access grace in those difficult times. And it gives you a freedom that is unbelievable, that gives you a peace, gives you the flow. And you're sitting in a room right next to Hustle saying, I know you're there to serve me. I know I have access to you when it's time. Oh, Theo, what a delightful conversation. How would you like to wrap this up for us? I would like to wrap this up by just being in gratitude and thanking you and thanking your listeners for the most precious gift that could ever contribute 
to us, which is their time, and also to challenge the listeners to actually dive in and be kind to themselves and to think about just the challenge to think about this week, the balance between hustle and flow, and to see them as synergistic and available to them at any time to serve them so that they can live their best and extraordinary life. Oh, thank you, Theo. And for those who want more of Theo, where do they go for that? Absolutely. With a name like Theo Prodromitis, <laughs> I keep it simple. My website is connectwiththeo.com. So it's got the links to everything, my books, my social articles. And so connectwiththeo.com. So Theo, thank you. What, what, what a joy just for us to meet, for us to connect, and then to share this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Theo. And you get to hear a little more because Theo and I continued after we paused recording, finished the conversation, and we were just chatting. And all of a sudden, something sparked in that conversation. And I believe it is a very worthy and worthwhile community magic moment, displacing what I had otherwise planned. So here you go. Some more with Theo. Okay, so for this month's community moment and community magic, you're getting more of Theo. Theo and I were still on Zoom conversing, and we just talked about something. And this is so important that I want to invite this conversation. So, Theo, are you okay telling the story you were just telling me about this encounter? Absolutely. It's a very deeply personal, and I got a little emotional, and I know I feel that you see where I'm coming from is that I was, you want me to start at the beginning of the yeah, story? Start at the tell, beginning of the story, me. and we'll kind of recreate what happened in our conversation for you listening now. Yes. I was at a restaurant waiting for my kids at the Performing Arts Center and the server had, was a beautiful young girl and she had all kinds of piercings and tattoos and she looked very artsy and her hair was great. And she came over and she noticed that I was writing, I was you know, editing my book and she you know, opened the conversation said, oh, you know, what are you working on? And I stopped what I was doing because I really like to recognize when somebody, and she had time, there were a few other tables, and she said, oh, well, I want to be an artist. My parents are fighting me. They don't think it's a real thing. And she started to pour out her heart and soul to me. And I said, and then I, you know, got her name and said, you know, this is valid. What do you love? And I asked her a lot of great questions. She lit up what kind of art she loved and what she wanted to do and how she wanted to help animals. And she unraveled this beautiful story of her soul. Yeah. And my kids came over from the Performing Arts Center and sat down and said, Mom, oh, you're doing it again. <laughs> you're doing it again, which is doing what? And that, I think, Kevin, is the segue to what you said about me, which I will choke up saying it so you can yeah well, lead into you said it was no big deal and I'm like oh no 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 it was a big deal because you saw her seeing people is a big 
deal because most people on the planet feel invisible. And I'm guessing a young woman looking the way she looked that a lot of patrons in the restaurant choose to not see her, choose to not interact with her, choose to not engage in conversation. You saw her. And Theo, that's where we started talking about this. Every one of us has the opportunity to see people, to see people that others choose to not see. And that is a really, really big deal. It doesn't seem like one because it's become so natural to you, but we just have to call it out, Theo. Thank you. Seeing people. And yeah, what did it do to you when I just mentioned, and that's why we said, I got to hit record again. When I said that you saw her, Theo. Yeah, I started to cry. I really literally, and I am now just, it brings tears of happiness to me. I can't even tell you it wells up because that's how I know I'm honoring a gift. It was, you know, I said, oh yeah, it's no big deal. That's you said you saw her and I was right back there, Kevin, when you said that I was right back at that table with her and recognizing that I stopped, I was editing my book and I stopped because I could see that she wanted to be seen and it was a great gift. So it made me cry. (laughs) I know I'm on the right track when I get teary eyed. And we just want to make this the highlight moment. And invite you listening, see somebody today that others are choosing to not see wherever that is on your path, see someone. And when you see that someone connect with them and it will make a difference. And Theo's just sitting here nodding. Anything you want to say as we sign off from this? I am emotional and I'm so happy because I'm nodding because This is the flow. This is the flow of knowing when you're in the right place and everybody has access to it. It wasn't because of my education. It wasn't because of my success in life or anything else. It was the fact that I was one human that recognized that another human wanted to be seen. And I took the time and I learned. And she's given me a great gift because here I am you know, whether it's months later or a year later, talking about her and that moment that we shared. Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks for sharing it with us, Theo. Well, I hope you enjoyed both conversations I had with Theo. And I wonder what's lingering in your heart and mind. You know, this whole idea of balancing hustle and flow, that it's not Either or, if you're anything like me, you've known a lot of hustle in life. You've also experienced flow, and you really enjoy flow. But you know that there's got to be a little hustle that's added to the flow. So I'm wondering, what's resonating for you? You know, we're hosting gratitude challenges each month, now through January of 2021, maybe even beyond then, not quite sure. That is one of the greatest flow things I do, and I can certainly tell you that there's a good bit of hustle required as well. So it's not 
just this magical flow. It's a mix of flow and hustle. And then Theo and I had so many other delightful parts of this conversation. You know, I love hearing from you. So email me, Kevin, at thisextraordinary.life. Call, text, or WhatsApp me, plus one, four zero four seven one three zero seven one three. And it's my hope that you do something today that allows you to explore, experience, and express this extraordinary life. Thanks for listening.